Hi, everyone. Welcome to the next episode of the Bay Street Capital Holdings podcast titled How Do You Do It and Why Should I Care? This series aims to highlight women doing amazing work in various industries. So today we are so lucky to be joined by Dr. Marla Parker, who is founder of Sounding Board Solutions and also a professor at Cal State Los Angeles. Hi, Dr. Marla Parker. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me, Layla. I'm so well, thank you. So let's start off with a quick introduction as to who you are and also a question to the main podcast, which is how do you do it and why should I care? All right. Um, so my name is Mar- Marla Parker. I've been a professor at Cal State LA for the past five years. I work in the political science department, but my main discipline and what I mostly teach in is public administration. And so, so a lot of people aren't quite sure what that is. So I just like to always provide a brief explanation. And basically, public administration is the business of uh, public service organizations. Um, and so like how do public service organizations, whether they're nonprofits or government entities, um, maybe even B Corp, corporations, uh, NGOs, like how do they run? Uh, how can they run more efficiently so that they have the desired impact to make change? Um, and so I've been doing that for five years. I founded my company, Sounding Board Solutions, which focuses on things such as um, human resource issues, particularly ones related to diversity, equity, and inclusion, as well as kind of chief of staff uh, services, uh, anything related to research and writing. I started that um, about a year ago now. Um, and so to you know, kind of answer that last question, it kind of combines both of what I'm doing on the teaching side as well as my business. And um, what I realized is that I, I was doing a lot. <laughs> I was doing a lot as a teacher, um, as a professor that went just beyond the classroom because my other, um, I would say, you know, function and duty at Cal State LA is that I co-founded a group called the Civic and a Social Innovation Group. And that is a group that is dedicated to helping students uh, really kind of combine their passion for social impact and um, entrepreneurship and innovation. And I realized that between doing that, um, teaching about public administration and doing various other kinds of volunteer things and service things on campus, I was like, you know, why not kind of have a spillover and do it um, also in the form of um, an entrepreneurial entity, Mm -hmm. which is why I formed uh, Sounding Board Solutions. And so the two of those things work very well together because oftentimes what I do in the classroom is relevant for my business and what I do um, in my business for my clients is relevant in the classroom as well. That's awesome. So uh, my next question for you would be, what inspired you to join the public administration industry? Was it a specific event in your life or a culmination of experiences? Um, you know, I I literally say I can have it in my blood. Uh, my dad worked for the state of Michigan for about 30 plus years. Uh, so he was a public servant. But uh, there was always, I think, something in me that's related to my personality and kind of like my sense of purpose that, you know, drove me to really think about how is what I'm doing helping for the, the greater good. And so, like, I didn't know what public administration was, to be honest, before I actually got into it and pursued it as, as um, my graduate degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I learned is that you know, public administration made the most most sense for me because I had a kind of private sector background, um, but I wanted to somehow translate that into public service um, and to, again, like helping people, uh, helping people in places be better. And I found that public administration was a really good way to start that because, again, mm-hmm. um, if, if public organizations uh, want to have impact, they have to run efficiently. So the same issues 
that uh, for-profit businesses have, whether it's like HR, like financing, you know, marketing, things of that nature, there are the same and similar concerns over in the public uh, public realm as well. And so I felt like merging the two of them through public administration would be a great starting point for me. That's awesome. And you obviously mentioned that public administration runs in your blood, but I'm curious mm-hmm. as to what were the best resources for you while sort of embarking in your career and currently developing your career in this area? Hmm. Um, so definitely, you know, my dad's experience was quite helpful, but I know that everybody may not have uh, someone working in the public sector, uh, like at, at the ready, like I had with my dad. Mm-hmm. And so for me, um, doing informational interviews was really helpful for me. So I remember one of the first things that I did when I started to kind of think about deviating from the for-profit realm because I actually was working at a advertising company (laughs) advertising Mm -hmm. and marketing company yeah right before I went on to pursue my graduate degree in um in uh public administration and before that I was working um you know in various public sector organizations and so for me informational interviewing was very helpful um, because it allowed me to get a first-hand um, experience on, all right, what is the day in the life of someone who works in public administration, who works in nonprofit? Uh, what does that look like for them? Um, I can spend hours just researching things on my own. It's very easy for me to find something and start on Google and just get into like a massive <laughs> rabbit hole yeah. and just use like bits of information that I find to help me take the next steps to find additional information. So, um, you know, like I was doing things like looking up the best public admin uh, schools, you know, in the country. So yeah. using like that standard, I think it's US News list of like best institutions, things of that nature, mm-hmm. and using that as a starting point, looking to see what they offered, looking to see the information that they had. Um, and that led me to other types of, let's say, professional organizations, because every discipline has some kind of professional organization for its members. Um, and so you can find a number of organizations that support nonprofit professionals and public service professionals. And so that led me to those organizations to see, okay, well, you know, like, what is public administration like? What does it take to do this? What kind of courses will you have to take? What kind of jobs can you get? And so forth. Mm, that's awesome. And um, what would you say, thinking across the whole span of your career, was your biggest failure? And what did you learn from it? Oh, gosh. Good question, uh, I know. I, yeah, I still fail. <laughs> so, you know, failure is, it's just part of, it's its part of life. Um, and so, like, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think, I don't, I can't say that I've had, like, a biggest failure, per se. Um, I think one thing that comes to mind, is I'm not sure who, who all is listening, but um, I guess like this is kind of on my heart now because it's graduation season and yeah. you have so many young people who are trying to figure out the next phase in life. And I know that when I was like in my twenties and I kind of, I was, I was two years into my, um, into my college program and I was thinking I was going to go to the business school at my mm-hmm. undergraduate level and I didn't get in. Um, and I have banked so many of my hopes on getting into B school. So like when it didn't happen, it was a bit of a blow, right? It was a bit of a blow. Um, and so what that taught me was that it's not the end of the world when things like that don't work out. Yeah. And not to put so not to put all of your hope onto this one particular thing, right? Yeah. 
Um, and always realize that your goals and your, um, your your goals and your dreams they can change over time. Like the main the main substance of your dreams and goals are can be quite consistent, but how they manifest can be quite different. And so, if I had had that lesson earlier when I was younger. I would have been able to kind of let go of things when they didn't work out. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember when I had my first real job job uh, coming out of undergraduate and I was working at um, author Anderson and that company imploded. Right. And that wasn't my fault. So it wasn't my failure, but I had this very clear idea of, okay, I'm going to spend X amount of years at this company and then move on to this and move on to that. And that was definitely interrupted. Right. And so for me, because I've always been like so goal driven, when there's an interruption in that pathway, I do see it as a failure. Right. Because it's like, oh, gosh, I didn't have like a plan B. Right. Like, What's going to happen next? Yeah. Um, So like one thing for me, again, is that when but failure has taught me is to learn to let go of how things manifest. Um, my world did not come to an end because I yeah. didn't get into the business school. My world did not come to an end because the company I had planned on staying at for an X amount of time expired right mm-hmm. before, um, you know, before I was able to fulfill my my expected time at that company. Um, and, you know, there there are jobs that I've gone off gone after that I didn't get. Um, there are things I have applied for, like grants that I haven't gotten. And, but again, like all of that has taught me to not be so consumed with yeah. how things actually, how your dreams and goals manifest, right? They're gonna, there are many pathways to it. And it's not always about you when something doesn't work out. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, It could just be like that just wasn't and that wasn't in the stars. Right. Or there's something better for you. So exactly. And I I completely like echo what you said, because at the time, you know, it would feel like the end of the world. But then you've now got the benefit of hindsight. And, you know, I I guess everything also happens for a reason at the same Mm -hmm. time. So you wouldn't be where you are today without those small blips in your journey. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And um, you've obviously been dropping a lot of like pieces of advice throughout this call, but I'm just curious as to what is one piece of advice that you would give somebody who is wanting to pursue a career in the public administration industry? Mm-hmm. I would say gain as much knowledge and insight as you can about what public administration is. I mean, I was fine with, I was, I was, I was able to succeed without having like a full knowledge and full breadth of what it was, but I can say that, um, the options in terms of like educational pathways have definitely opened up um, since I since I was pursuing it. Um, and so public administration, it crosses over into so many areas. I think a lot of times people think that, oh, I only I can only work for government if I work in public admin. Right. So I would say for people who are interested, definitely, you know, kind of start from the end. Right. So yeah understand the kinds of careers and jobs and pathways that being in public administration can afford you. So I think sometimes people forget that private companies have a government public affairs office, right, that requires people uh, to understand how to work with government Mm -hmm. and public administration can help you do that. I remember um, in one of my intro to public administration courses that I taught for undergrads, I showed them a job opening at Disney uh, in the public affairs office. And I believe that one of the requirements or desired requirements was something to do with like a degree or a knowledge of government. Right. And so they were like, Oh my gosh, I can work at Disney and have a public you know, administration degree. Uh, so I would definitely say, 
really do a lot of research and insight and get as much insight as you can in terms of how public administration uh, can allow you to work in various areas. Um, Mm -hmm. I would say, ask yourself why you want to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like, why do you want to be in public administration? Um, Because it, we're we're at a time now, I think, where like public institutions, um, public organizations, um, they're they're always under pressure, but I feel like the pressure is a lot right now, you know, Um, and it's a grind, like working at a public institution, it, it is a different kind of grind, right? Um, and so I would say, like, understand and know what you're getting into. Um, a lot of people may get into public administration because they want to change the world and change their communities, which is wonderful. But um, like part and parcel of working at a public institution, public organization is there's structure there, right? There's layers, there's bu- there's bureaucracy, right? There There's paperwork, right? There are things that you're not going to necessarily like, especially if you're looking to, have, to help to create major change. And so sometimes the desire to create change um, is further ahead than what public institutions are able to actually do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so for instance, I remember... Um, when I took my first policy course as a graduate student in the public admin program. And I was like, well, no wonder why things never get done because like the policy process is so, it's so, it's just so complex and there's so many cogs and, and widgets that are part of the process. And like, there's so many approaches and like sometimes approaches seem very straightforward and sometimes it's just really messy um, and, and that can be frustrating and that can kind of, you know, maybe dampen one's uh, spirit, you know, or maybe dampen, mm-hmm. dampen one's enthusiasm for creating change. Um, I, I'm not saying uh, if you encounter that, like to stop, but I think it's really important to kind of manage your expectations and to know what you're getting into. Mm, very, very important. Mm-hmm. And then finally, about your career and about the public mm-hmm. administration industry, what is one common myth that you would like to debunk about it, the public administration industry? Oh, there's so many. (laughs) (laughs) One singular one, the most controversial, the most important to you. Yeah, just one singular one. Um, I would say the one thing that I don't think people realize, uh, especially if you're not working in public admin, is that public service workers, they go through a lot. Um, They go through a whole lot. And I think that's become a little bit more evident with the pandemic. But even outside the pandemic, you know, people people expect public service workers, um, I think, to at the same time be like these unicorns to make things happen. But then also they get a bad rap, like for not making things happen. But it's really important to understand that um, like public institutions are institutions. And so when people who are working there, it's not it's they can't necessarily just be independent actors, right, to do things all the time. And so I think it's important to realize that just because a public service worker is not necessarily doing what you think they need to be doing all the time, it doesn't necessarily mean that they don't care. Right. It means that. They have their morals, they have their ethics, and they have their values, but and, but they're doing that in the face of an institution, right? And institutions can sometimes be larger than just like individual people. Um, and so, but I mean, of course, they're bad actors, right? And, and they're bad processes and bad, bad bu- um, bureaucracies, right? Like they're bad dimensions to any institution, absolutely. Um, but I think it's important, you know, if we're trying to change institutions, right? 
uh, and be supportive of the people who are in them, it's important to understand what the give and the take is, like what the push and the pull is, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, for public service workers, they are not just like these independent actors who can do whatever they want, whenever they want, right? Um, You know, again, like they work as part of an institution and institutions have layers, they have, they have rules, um, they, they have norms and values. And so it's important to be careful about how we critique the actors in those institutions without looking at the the institutional realities within where they are actually working. Um, mm-hmm. And again, like I'm not saying that people don't need to be held accountable for doing bad actor stuff. They absolutely do when, when it comes to light that they are bad actors. Um, but I think that it's really important that if we want to see change, we have to understand the totality and the reality of what people in these institutions like have to deal with. Um, and public servants are not always politicians. And I yeah. think that that's a really important um, por- important factor that people have to distinguish, right? Mm-hmm. Um, politicians and public administrators or public servants, they are different sides of the same coin. Yeah. Right. Um, and so that's, a, that's very important to realize too. Yeah, I think, you know, knowing your industry before you enter it is definitely something that could be applied to any industry. So, mm-hmm. yeah, a great, great piece of advice there. And mm-hmm. so I'd love to sort of find out more about you. So what have you read mm-hmm. or listened to recently that's really inspired you? Oh, wow. Um, I I read a lot, actually. And um, I am part of a small group now that's going to be reading a book called Women Evolved by mm-hmm. um, Sarah Jakes Roberts. And it's I it's it's very, I think, important from a professional standpoint, but mm-hmm. I think from a personal standpoint and like I think the core and crux of that book, um, from what I understand, just like preliminarily uh, getting like reviews and things like that is, yeah, how to how to grow, how to evolve, like how to get beyond fear, um, you know, how to break up with fear. Right. And kind of get beyond those those kinds of, you know, uh, hindrances and impediments that that you have, um, especially particularly ones that are, I would say, like unique to to, to people who identify as being like, as being women um, and kind of what what the unique realities are being a woman um, in terms of the stuff we have to deal with. Right. In terms of getting beyond our fear and and um, pursuing those things that are really tantamount to our purpose and you know, making sure that we are paying attention more to the the voices that are encouraging, as opposed to the ones that are uh, kind of playing on um, playing on our own fear and amplifying what our own insecurities are. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Wow, that sounds super interesting. And um, you obviously touched upon this a little earlier as on well a few of your previous answers. But who are three people in your life who have been the most influential to you? Oh, wow. Um, so it's so funny, because like when you sent me this question earlier, um, I was like, man, this changes all the time. And because mm-hmm. I try to find inspiration in everyone uh, who I meet. Yeah. Um, and I don't necessarily put like one person on a pedestal as opposed to to another. Um, and yeah, I mean, depending on what phase of life I'm in, I might need different kind of inspiration. Right? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. so my sources of inspiration um, can vary, again, like based on like what I need, you know, like kind of like the mood or phase of life that I'm in. But um, so, I mean, honestly, I can't really name, you know, like one person. Um, I would say, generally speaking, now, um, gosh, I think especially during the pandemic, 
you know, like you see so many examples of people like persevering mm. in in hard times. Um, and so I I'm inspired when I see the stories of people who are just like doing the best that they can, you know, um, and who are they're doing what they can do in the face of a pandemic. You know, like my students inspire me, um, like when I was doing online teaching that it was it was a, it's a different ball game you know like when you're at home and you're trying to attend to class but like you're living with family members and you you might have you know like a maybe like a, a non-quiet environment right mm-hmm. like you're a parent who's a student who's trying to take care of kids and trying to homeschool them and you have to work from home you have to do school for your kids from home and you have to do your school from home right um and it, and it's not as if the responsibilities stop and so, like, I think people as as tough as the landscape is right now, like I'm, yeah. I'm trying to find the good in all people. So, you know, to those people who've been just like doing the best that they can um, and, and even being vulnerable and saying, look, this is too much for me. Right. Um, I know that May, I think, was Mental Health Awareness Month. Yeah. And so like, I'm grateful um, for people who are vulnerable about how stressful things are and who can share that, right. And who can speak their truth and say, this is a lot or this is too much or I need a break. You know, so they inspire me as well. Um, I know that's like a roundabout answer, but again, I'm I'm one of these kind of fluid people where like, I I can't just like pinpoint one source of inspiration. Awesome. No, inspiration can come from many different places. And I think Mm -hmm. that the example that you brought up, especially is just so relevant now, you know, we're past one year into this pandemic and it's just those people who are clinging on and just seeing the good in things. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And then finally to sort of round off our conversation, what is one piece of advice that you wish you gave yourself at any point in your life? Mm. Um, A reminder that everything's going to work out, Mm. you know, um, a reminder that things are not going to always pan out as you might originally expected them to be open to possibility. Um, You are going to find yourself in situations where you're going to be stretched, but that's not a sign that you're, that you are getting into something that's going to highlight your weakness, but it's an opportunity for you to develop and evolve your strengths. Um, And I think always I would have, I would have told myself to really take time for your mental, spiritual, and emotional wellness. Um, don't get so sucked up into, you know, a grind culture and like achievement and performance culture that you forget what's important, which is your health, your wellness, and just like the overall health and wellness of everybody. And so no matter what your goals are, Always maintain a priority about your health and then asking, asking yourself is what I'm doing. um, How is it impacting other people's health and wellness? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So like, for example, with my class, with how I teach, I emphasize wellness. Nobody ever did that for me as a student. Right. It was okay. Like, here's a counseling service if you need it. (laughs) But, you know, like no one ever. I don't remember my teachers like really taking the time to say like your mental and emotional wellness is connected to um, to, to your overall uh, wellness and success as a student. So as much as you emphasize getting A's and like, you know, doing well in your exams, right, you also have to emphasize your mental and emotional wellness. Um, and so, again, like asking yourself, 
and all and all that I'm doing, am I doing something that is going to elevate and preserve my wellness on all fronts? And how is what I'm doing um, either helping or hurting someone else's ability to do that for themselves? Mm, very very important message and thank Mm -hmm. you for you know taking the time to speak with me today it was absolutely lovely to speak to you Marla and um I wish you all the best thank you same to you and thank you so much for having me I appreciate it of course anytime bye-bye bye-bye